My name is Scott Ziegler, and dust mites are my sworn enemy. Yes, folks, that's right. I hate dust mites. They get into your mattress, and your furniture, and your carpets, really in every crevice of your home. Then they get into the air and into your lungs. They irritate your skin. Dust mites, they're microscopic bad news. And if you're listening at home, chances are you're completely surrounded by them. Don't be afraid. I'm here to help. Yes, with Integrity Dry, we use the power of steam and super effective earth-friendly cleaning products that are safe for loved ones and pets, but not for those tiny hateful dust mites. If you need an ally in your battle against the mites, we're the company to call. Integrity Dry. We get your couches, chairs, mattresses, and carpets super clean. Give us a call today to take advantage of our three-room special for $99 or our sofa special where you can get your couch or two armchairs cleaned for only $59. For service in the greater Phoenix area, visit us online to get an instant price quote or schedule service at integritydry.com. Or you can find a link to our company on the podcast page for this episode of Confessions from the Nocturne Nebula. I never meant to let this happen. What do you do? I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I never... Yab Yab Music and Arts presents Confessions from the Nocturne Nebula Written by Carly Shorman and Dale Rasmussen Original music and sound design by Devin Morris Executive producers Carly Shorman and Mark Anderson Episode 5 The House Takes a Beating You have a warrant. No, I don't have a warrant. That's what I thought. Get out of here before I... I have this. Come on in and close the door, Nolan. We're going to have a long talk. Turn on the lights before you sit down. I want to watch you squirm. Ignoring the sour milk taste in the back of my throat, I did as I was told. As I thumbed the lighting controls, I tried to figure out my play and realized pretty quick I didn't have one. Best I could do would be to listen to what Stratford had to say get through the next few minutes, and try to figure a way I could get myself free of this mess, if such a thing was possible. Why don't you get both of us a drink? You look like you could use one. I'm okay. It's a little early. I wasn't asking, Stone. Truth be told, I didn't want a drink. The mere thought turned my stomach. For going on 50 hours, I'd been dragged through the gravel and used scotch to soothe the burn. But I poured myself another anyway, mostly because I didn't want Stratford to get any closer to the liquor cabinet than he already was. Jammed in that cabinet was a jeweled wooden box that held five bottles of the most tightly regulated hallucinogen in the nocturne, 
and I didn't need the commissioner of After Earth League law enforcement stumbling on it while he was digging for ice tongs. This was Stratford's game now. I was just a player, and I needed to learn the new rules. I handed Stratford a rocks glass and one for myself. But unlike Malachi, I didn't taste what was inside. Mm, that's very nice, thank you. You know, when one of the guys on my team found this thing in the Memorial Gardens, I thought to myself, can't be, too easy. What sort of guilty conscience bullshit is this? Who's going to be dumb enough to light up three people in public and leave the lighter behind at the scene? A goddamn amateur, that's who. Amateur doesn't even say it, does it? Some kind of an idiot. Sweaty, oily prints all over it. So I'm thinking maybe it's a real weak-linked junk chain. Maybe one of the rats. But truly an empty-headed idiot. So maybe you can imagine how surprised I was when we ran the prince and got your name. I couldn't. I couldn't imagine anything. The world was cotton. It was in my ears I couldn't hear. It was in my mouth, my nose, I couldn't breathe, my brain was packed with the stuff. I couldn't think. Maybe I was an idiot after all. Because other than shock and panic, my head was indeed empty. I watched without moving as Stratford took a long sip of his drink. That's good. Very smooth. Must be expensive. I see why you keep it for yourself. He closed his eyes and licked his lips, making a big show of enjoying my booze. My first thought wasn't how to get out of this or even about the new passion with which I hated Malachi Stratford. My first thought, struggling to come back to myself, standing there in my office overlooking Salome's, was that the joke was on him. What he was drinking was no better than what Winston poured downstairs. Now, he might have been born with a silver spoon in his mouth, but that didn't mean he could tell the difference when he was handed pewter. I felt the urge to shake my head at him, sad, like you do at a three-legged puppy, and the familiarity of that feeling made the ground under my feet feel just a little firmer. Lighter or no, this was still Malachi Stratford. I realized that if he'd planned on arresting me, he wouldn't come alone. He'd have his biggest and meanest backing him up, and he wouldn't be by himself until the time came to take credit, at which point he would be an island unto himself. If this were an official visit, his AEL coppers would have crashed over me like a wave before my second shoe had touched the floor of the foyer. That hadn't happened, and Stratford wasn't being flaked by Yoli Wallace, who is the actual commissioner in this district and chief pain in my ass, wouldn't have given up her shot to be here. So all of that meant he wasn't here to arrest me. At least not yet. So obviously, Stratford was setting a different kind of table. You've got nothing to say? Really? 
I just called you an idiot, Stone, no witty retort. Did your smart-ass well finally run dry? I thought you always had one tucked in your back pocket. All right, then, I guess for once I'll do the talking. Let me tell you what I already know. We know there was a multiple homicide. We know you were at the Memorial Gardens, and your lighter looks a little more than suspicious, considering we have three crispy critters cooling in the morgue. Crispy critters. Any other day and I'd be laughing inside. Hell, I'd be laughing outside. No matter how distinguished he thought himself, and he clearly thought quite a bit, it was obvious that Malachi Stratford was a guy who never got a date until he reached the age of trade and bought himself one. But at that moment, I couldn't muster the humor to laugh, inside or out. I could feel myself sweating, but even so, I was nothing but cold, frozen entire through. My hands and my thoughts felt like they'd been chained to lead weights and dropped in deep water, heavy and slow, lifting the scotch to my lips, not quite taking a drink, staring back at Stratford, watching his mouth move, reflecting on the distance between us. Three feet expanded to light years. What else do I know? I know that those people you barbecued were all traveling under diplomatic papers from the GC, or all but one. That would be Miss Cordelia Monroe, alias Cherry Cordial. I know that because it took us just shy of three M's to match their DNA records once we got their bodies to the morgue. It happened so fast that parts of the girl, Monroe, Parts of that girl still hadn't cooled back into a solid yet. You remember Cordelia, right? I figured you would as she was one of the whores in your employ. So, anyway, we knew we had some dead VIPs, and we knew we had a dead whore. But what we couldn't tell, at least right away, was what had killed them. Fire, of course, naturally, right? But there was something else. You know it took the lab techs nearly ten whole M's to match it to Tratagenia? Rare substance. I couldn't fault Stratford much for stretching this out. He so seldom knew what was going on around him. I found myself wondering exactly how far this soliloquy would go. Maybe he knew it all. For a high-toned, manic quarter of a second, I found myself wondering if he was about to tell me how this whole thing ended. Then I realized that part was easy. With three bodies meant a life sentence at Mannix, or somewhere just as cozy. Whatever else he might know or not know, what did it matter beyond that? I know this is big, Stone. And I know you've got your slimy fingers all over this thing. The Gaia Compact is hiding a load of lost contraband, and I want it. Before that GC idiot or that bitch Wallace get their hands on it. This is my shot, Stone. I turn in a load of Tritogenia, along with whatever else you're sitting on, and I can write my own ticket anywhere. Two weeks and I could be in a commandant's office on Magna Mater, and I won't ever have to set foot on this pissant station ever again. And this stupid hunk of tin is all I need to get it. Because this hunk of tin is your ass. I've got you, boy. 
That's what I know. He'd been spinning my lighter between his fingers as he spoke, and now he tossed it on the desk and stared at me with a naked, nearly feral hunger. The savagery in his eye sparked something animalistic in me. I wanted to club him, to take back what was mine, my lighter, my desk, my sense of order, an urge as primal as breath. I could dump his body in the underlevels, let all Nocturne believe he'd just taken a wrong turn in old Aldfar. But as good as it felt to imagine his blood on my hands, I knew it was no good. I was already in too deep. Another death wouldn't set me free. It wouldn't make a difference. It would just be the last bellowing flail of a drowning man. If I was going down, at least I wouldn't trade what little dignity I had left for Malachi Stratford's useless carcass. There's more Tritogenia, more than was used to cause that explosion in the gardens. You wouldn't have blown the entire stash. What else is there? Where is it? Whatever you've got hidden, give it to me. Give it all to me. Now. Don't think about elephants. If you say you didn't just imagine that picture from the schoolbook we all had about the animals that used to exist on Earth, you're lying. That's just how it goes. You hear the word, and you react. Well, when Stratford said the word hidden, I had an elephant moment, and only managed to keep from cutting my eyes at the liquor cabinet by slamming them to my rocks glass. As closely as Stratford was eyeing me, that would have been more than enough. I bit my tongue and tried not to think about what had almost just happened. Dumbstone. Yet again. Stratford was eyeing me with a gaze that bordered on lecherous. Well? I took him to mean that he was finally done talking, at least for the moment, and that it was now my turn. I opened my lips to speak, and my mouth was cracked and desert dry around my words. Well, what? Stratford's lips pulled back, just for an instant, into a rodent-like snarl and his eyes flashed, but he composed himself in less time than it takes to blink. If I'm telling the truth, I was more spinning my wheels than I was trying to be clever. Just buying time, saying as much nothing as I could manage, but Stratford couldn't have flinched harder if I'd slapped him. You think you're so cute, don't you? Well, you're not. You just better remember that I've got your ass over a barrel here. He cut his eyes to the left, then down at my desk, then back up at me, all in the span of a heartbeat. I've taken a lot of money at card tables over the years, even when I didn't own the game, and I know a bluffer's tell when I see one. You sure about that, Commissioner? You want a multiple homicide rap on your sheet stone? I registered this lighter as evidence, and I... And you've got no choice but to arrest me. Sure. But all you've got me for is that I was in the gardens once, and I dropped a lighter. 
I don't think there's enough stick there to hold up a stack of murder charges, but I guess we can find out. His eyes narrowed, and I could see him doing the magistrate's calculus in his head, and it could be wishful thinking again, or maybe he didn't like the answers he was coming up with. I pressed onward. Now, if there's more tritogenia than what burned in the memorial gardens this morning, if there was more, mind you, do you really think it's going to sit here on the station while we go through a trial? If you do, you're a fool. Whatever captain or mate I made my deal with would be gone with it before you even got the cryotentury cooled down. And there goes that office on Magna Mater. Or I find it. I'll put a hold on every ship in port and we'll search them all. Not without getting Morgan and Wallace to sign off on that. And if you do that, then you have to share credit for the bust. What's one-third of a commandant position? You'll still get stuck in a hole so deep, you'll forget what sunshine even looks like. Might. Or I might beat your charges and be back at work next week, and then you'd have nothing. That's a hell of a gamble to make, Stone. You're right. It is. But it's not like you're giving me a better option here, Malachi. I wasn't going to be able to bait the hook any better than that. Either he would bite, or I might have to come up with a different plan. What if you weren't helped? Speak up, uh, Malachi. I didn't quite catch that. I said, what if you weren't a suspect? What if instead of holding you up for trafficking the Tritogenia, you were the one who told me where I could find it? Like an informant. Exactly. Like an informant. I don't know, Stratford. That's not a great reputation to have in my line of work. Better than facing three murder charges, isn't it? Maybe I could even swing some sort of a reward. And you'll give me back my lighter without it ever going into a report. If I'm feeling generous, I might even throw in a bottle of lighter fluid. You help me, you walk away with your lighter, your freedom, and your little stack of kopecks. You don't, and we'll see what a jury thinks of my case. But you decide right now. Whatever it is the GC wants, the Tritogenia, I want it. I know you have it. Staring at the AEL commissioner sitting in my office chair, I had a half moment that almost felt like pity for the poor bastard. He really did think it was all his idea. Okay, I guess I don't have a choice. I'll get you the Tritogenia. You mean you'll give it to me, here, now? I shook my head and gave him a caricature of a confused expression. Listen, Malachi, I'd love to, I would, but I don't have that stuff here. That would be insane. I'm not bringing that kind of trouble into my bar. That's crazy. But I, I know where it is. Later, I can... Let's go get it. Oh, no, 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 no. That won't work at all. I have to get it. And I will. Trust me on this. But I don't trust you, Stone. Not half as far as I can throw you. Come on, Stratford. Think this through. I already told you, the stuff's not on the station. It's on a cruiser docked on the tower. We go there, they see you coming with me, they rabbit. An unsanctioned launch out of nowhere. They'd be blown out of space before they cleared the docking zone. Which would be a lot faster and cleaner than what the Gaia Compact does to them if they're extradited back for running Tritogenia. 
So give me the name of the ship. We'll lock it down remotely. You lock that ship down and they'll blow the Tritogenia from inside. Same explosion. A ship with a fully charged fuel cell and packed stem to stern with the same stuff that blew up the gardens this morning. How many people die there? After the collateral damage, you'll be sitting next to me at the trial. Think about it. I roll up with you in tow and maybe there's another explosion. You want to do this, really do this. You gotta do it right. I could feel myself returning, waking up to myself again. My hand holding the tepid scotch was my own. My words, once again, my own. Sitting across the table from someone who thought they had me in a corner made me just feel more like myself somehow. I'd made a lot of mistakes over the past few days, but the longer Stratford sat there gloating at me, knowing the box he wanted so badly was hidden just to my side, the more time I had to convince myself that fools are not always parted from their gold, and even a blind squirrel finds a nut every now and again. All week, Lady Luck had given me the cold shoulder, but I'd always been good at getting off of a lady's bad side. Maybe I could still turn this thing around. Maybe. I could see Malachi Stratford weighing my words. Listen, Stratford, I'm an honest businessman. At least as honest as an independent can be without the GC or the AEL backing him. So here's how this plays. I don't have any interest in ending up on some copper's shit list. You want to lay some cuffs on the crime of the century? I got no beef with that. But don't try to tie me up in your political plans. You try to play me like that, you can bust me now and we'll see in court how well your charges float. <sighs> now don't get them twisted up. I'm going to help you out, but these are my terms. I paused for a moment to make sure I had his attention and... Well, I needed to finish fully gathering the second wind in my sails while I concocted my next move. Truth be told, I'll be relieved to get rid of this stuff. The minute Dietz... Stratford held a hand up. Hold it right there, Stone. You're going to give me the whole story, but not until the Tritogenia is in my hands. Rumors are going around that your girl's friends in the gardens were seraphs. And I don't want you filling up my head with ideas in case there are more of them around. I kept my next thought, which was about the available space for ideas in Malachi Stratford's head, to myself. No sense courting trouble. Not when he was already sitting so smug and pretty, celebrating his win before the box was even in his hands. Stratford always resented being sent out far and I was always a little mystified by that, as it was clear his post was a result of some favor called in somewhere, given his obvious shortcomings. Chief among them, at this moment, vanity. All right, Stratford, I'm slated to head to the ship later to make some final arrangements, and I can get you the bottles then, but going earlier will raise red flags. I'll call you when we're closing down for the night and arrange a meeting. You'll have the full load before the daylights turn on. Okay, Stone. I'll play it your way, for now. But you better not try anything funny. 
I gave you my word you're about to hurt my feelings. Well, then try not to cry, because just so you don't think about bolting between now and then. He reached into his coat and produced a portable screen. He held it towards me so that I could watch as he placed a travel hold on my station record. Several lines of text blinked from green to red, and just like that, I was illegal cargo. Any scan of my retina or fingertip would tell any captain I tried to purchase passage with that granting me that passage was a violation of interstellar commerce accords. Sure, you could always find some shippers who turn a blind eye for the right amount, but the right amount was guaranteed to be exorbitant. And how many were docked at Aldfar at this very moment? Maybe one? Hopefully one. Because otherwise, I was officially out of options. So, there it is. Now, don't try anything funny, and I won't have you shipped off to Mannix. But I swear on my star stone, you try to screw me on this, and I will end you. I'm offering you a better deal than you'll get from anyone else. Help me, and you can keep your shit bar on this shit station. Don't screw it up. Malachi Stratford rose up from my chair. I thought about just what it would cost me to step in and tag him real good, just once clean across that weak jaw, and see if I couldn't knock that smug expression clean across my office. But I didn't. I was done being stupid if I could help it. First step, not to look at the liquor cabinet while Stratford went through a ludicrous pantomime stretching, scratching, letting me know he would stay until he was good and ready to leave. He nodded at me and stepped away from my desk, waving back behind himself as if giving me permission to take back my chair. I stood in place and watched as he all but pranced to the door, where he stopped and spoke back over his shoulder, with exaggerated casualness. Oh, and by the way, when we ran the prints on the lighter, protocol is to share hits if we use each other's records, which I did. That means when your prints came back, that got kicked up all three chains. I might not have registered the evidence, yet, but she knows you're a person of interest. So I'm going to guess that at this point, you have about 30 M's before Wallace gets her ducks in rows and tosses this place. Consider that my show of good faith. Now I expect you to come through on your end, and soon. See you later tonight, Nolan. It took everything in me to keep to my seat as Stratford strolled out of my office. The panic I felt right then. The swelling terror rising through my guts like a rat frantically clawing its way from drowning was a private thing not something I wanted to share with Stratford, despite how happy it would have made him. How long had he said until Wallace showed up? 30 M's? Was that a guess? She could be on her way here now with a dozen blues in tow. My ears strained, listening to phantom footsteps move down the corridor. Only a moment before the door opened, 
in an explosion of terror, I realized that I wasn't imagining them at all. What the hell, boss? I just passed Malachi Stratford on my way up here. Yeah, I know what you saw, Chewie. I need you to listen carefully. Dollars to donuts, Stratford is slow walking his way out of here right now, hoping to get an eyeful of a half-dressed mall. As soon as he leaves the building, and I want you to be personally certain of that, as soon as he's gone, you get everyone ready for a raid. Wallace is coming to shake us down. Oh, shit. Just put out the call, Chewie. Right. Right away, boss. Okay. I thought, as I watched him walk fast, not run, not jog, but walk fast out of my office. Everyone on the staff knew what to do in case of a raid, and I could trust Chewie to get the word out. He moved like he knew what he was doing. I blinked, wondering when he'd started doing that, if I just hadn't noticed it before now. He'd been with me for years, ever since I pinched him playing three-card next to my place. I went out with Darius, my doorman, fixed to scare him off my street, but I ended up admiring the kid's chops. Only 15, maybe 50 kilograms with a brick in his pocket, but when I told him to cut out, he started by quoting me the independent statutes on fair use of public streets. Then he told me he made more in the hour after we closed up for the night than I paid for a full night clearing tables inside Salome's. But... If I'd be willing to guarantee him four nights' work a week, he'd take the pay cut. If the job came with growth potential. Darius had wanted to teach him a negotiating tactic centered around work boots and pavement, but I told him to come back an hour before opening the following day. He'd shown up fresh scrubbed in a pressed shirt and hadn't so much as been late for a day of work since. Four years, two raids, and one attempted robbery later, it looked like he wasn't just operating on chutzpah anymore. Chewie would tell Zara, Darius, Teddy, and Winston. They would each prepare the folks who worked under them for lockdown. I had concerns of my own. I heard Chewie bellow from the main room, letting folks know we were off schedule this evening. Heads up! Doors TBD, people! Better get moving. At this point, the only way out was through. The call to doors probably wouldn't come tonight. When we opened, it wouldn't be to the public. We'd be entertaining an entirely different and certainly less friendly crowd this evening. Just like Yoli Wallace, to hold off on rolling up to the place until my customers were lined up out front... She thought of putting me in jail as her job, but making me look bad would be a little present she wouldn't hesitate to give herself. I wondered if tonight's raid would finally settle my tab with her. By my count, we should be even, or close to it anyway. Somehow, I doubted she would think so. Once again, I found myself at my office liquor cabinet, but this time it wasn't to pour a drink. I had to get this box out of my office and stashed in the one spot I was at least pretty certain that Yoli and her henchmen couldn't find. The old stash hole hadn't failed me yet, but 
the way this week was going. But it was better not to think about that. Best to keep moving. For a moment, I considered the safe behind my desk. 100 large and tri-cornered bills. Easy, untraceable money. I thought about dropping the box and grabbing the cash. I could try my luck at the tower. Find a ship, going anywhere, absolutely anywhere. A couple of handfuls of Copex might be enough to get me past Stratford's travel hold. No. The best odds were to get through this next affront, and then I could jump station. If she didn't turn up anything with real meat on it, Wallace would be satisfied once she'd put a significant enough damper on my evening, and she'd clear out. This wasn't our first tango, and Yoli liked to take the lead. I hurried out of my office and down the hall. I could already hear the bustle downstairs. We ran a clean place, but every drinking hole has its dark corners. Even the classiest one on Outfar Station. I haven't no narco policy at Salome's, but I guessed that Contessa wasn't the only one who broke it with some regularity. Good, that's good. Turlockian vodka? Does that have a tax stamp on it? They never got their trade permit squared. Get rid of it. Where's Zara? Anyone seen Zara? Upstairs! Yeah. Everyone knew what they were doing. Chewie was helping Abram over at the roulette table. From the balcony, I could see our security team at their positions. Darius walking them through how they were, and were not, to behave during the raid when tables and chairs were getting knocked over. Each of them looked tightly wound, ready to give the signal that trouble was afoot. I kept moving, box clutched to my chest, looking around for either Zara on one side or Wallace on the other. Hey, boss! Not now, Winston. But I just... Chewie's on point right now. I'm busy. I made it clear of the main room and darted for the coat room. Hey, Mr. Stone. The voice startled me. I realized it was our new coat check girl, station rat, named Charlotte. Uh, Charlotte, hey. Why don't you take a walk? Maybe get a drink from the back and then... Forget you ever saw me in here? She waited for a moment, staring at me with a curious look, almost long enough to make me worry. Sure thing, Mr. Stone. You want me to get you a drink too? No, Charlotte, because I'm not even here, remember? Righto. She put aside a tablet she held and bounded out of the coat room. I popped open the hidden latch and slipped behind the false wall. The hidden hinges creaked. It was faint, but it was there. I would need to have them lubed. Then I remembered Stratford with my lighter, and that regardless of how this situation played out with Wallace's upcoming raid, I would still be leaving behind everything at Salome's. Squeaky hinges included. So if all went according to plan, this would be Zara's responsibility soon enough. In the passageway behind the wall, underneath one of the stairs leading down to the underlevel's access ladder, there was a small compartment 
a hidey hole I'd stumbled on a few years prior, barely a foot across one way and two feet the other. I had stored a few things useful in an emergency there over the years. I wasn't exactly gentle as I jammed the box in. I shoved the knapsack down as well. I was back on the floor in just a few M's, my absence barely noticed. Charlotte was making our way back towards coat check when I crossed her path. Hey, Mr. Stone. Hey, Charlotte. Why don't you skip out early tonight? Chances are we won't have a lot of visitors. Aw, Mr. Stone. It's my first raid. Can I stay? They're not as much fun as they sound. Scram, kiddo. All right, all right. I hadn't quite made it halfway up the stairs when I caught sight of Zara standing at the top, scowling down at me. Nolan. And at that moment, security sounded off. Looks like I was right. No doors tonight. You'd have thought, what with the parade rolling through my bar, that today was intersystem cocky law enforcement administrator day. I went back down the stairs and made my way to the bar as Wallace's vanguard swept across the dining room floor. I was standing next to Winston when Yoli Wallace stormed in, flanked by a dozen more indie blues. Yoli, always a pleasure, though you know I hate it when you make such a production. Zip it, Stone. I have a warrant this time and we're going to strip this place bare. Listen, Wallace, you didn't find anything last time or the time before that, so what makes you think this round's going to end any differently? Because you're up to your ears in shit, Stone. You're a person of interest in a multiple homicide now, and you know it, and I know it. I don't know what you think you know. I know everything I need to know. My team needs to get to work. Let's clear the place before we begin. Safe and fast, people. I can help you out with that. Stone, I thought I told you to shut your goddamn mouth. I nodded to Winston and put my fingers in my ears. Wallace popped back a half-step and looked none too pleased, but within a span of breaths, the staff of Salome's poured into the corridors and byways and made for the main room. They passed some of Wallace's team on the stairs. I noticed a few of mine winking and smiling at a few of hers. Good to know that at least a few on Wallace's team had spent some pleasant times at Salome's. If they knew my bar, they knew me. They probably wanted no part in this shakedown. Her hounds wouldn't be after blood as passionately as Wallace herself. Thanks, Winston. Why don't you go take a seat with the others for now? Listen, Commissioner Wallace, can't we just- I'm getting tired of telling you to stay quiet, Stone. I want all of you to listen up. Today, three people died in a fire in the Memorial Gardens. One of them was Cherry Cordial. The other two were diplomatic visitors from Anasa. They were killed, burnt to cinders, and left to die in the gardens. And if Nolan Stone didn't do it, he knows who did and why. That's a damn lie, Wallace. So if anyone wants to talk about that, I'd really love to talk to you. Anything else, I don't want to hear. 
I looked over the crowd of my employees. Some of them had known Cherry well, some only passingly. Some had thought that she'd died on the coal ridge, and some knew she'd made her way back here that morning. Most had heard about the fire in the gardens, but none of them had known that Cherry was there. My stomach turned to ice when I saw the way that some of them were suddenly looking at me, weighing Wallace's words against what they knew of me. Their suspicion hurt, but luckily, no one spoke up to tell Wallace their story. Fair enough. Tear this place apart. Find anything that might connect Nolan Stone to the murders in the memorial gardens. I shrugged and plunked myself down at the bar as Wallace's goons set about accomplishing the task she'd given them. My staff gathered at tables, grouping together like kids on a field trip, rather than prostitutes and card dealers and jazz musicians. They occupied a middle ground, their trades mostly legal and mostly looked down on, slotted by the judgments of others somewhere between good people and outlaws. Their type, hell, our type, is generally wary of uniforms. But for now at least, they were putting on a good show to the contrary, hiding their contempt for the stormtroopers tearing Salome's apart behind genial smiles and forced laughter. I watched Yoli Wallace as she moved about the dining room, directing the officers around the rest of the bar like she knew every room. Once upon a time, Yoli did know the layout pretty well, the downstairs rooms at least. She and Rose came here a lot, back when Salome's first opened. Rose had liked the dancing, but most nights she couldn't drag Wallace away from the tables long enough to even get a number or two in. Yoli preferred to gamble, both when it came to cards, as well as leaving her pretty young wife alone to dance with strangers. Once or twice, I even took her for a spin around the floor myself, and that's when we started talking. Rose was from Karaya, and met Yoli when the young cadet was vacationing abroad to celebrate her recent graduation, top of her class, from the academy. Of course, that was years before I met either of them. A brief whirlwind romance during the annual Pan Festival ended in marriage to an officer of the law for the lawless independence. Yoli arrived back on Garion and got her assignment to Outfar Station. Rose, a planet-side girl if ever there was one, hadn't been pleased. The assignment Yoli promised her new wife would be temporary, a year or two when she put in for transfer. But when I opened Salome's and met them both, Rose had been trapped on Outfar for five years. A voice called down from the balcony above. There's a lot of mattresses up here, ma'am. It's a whorehouse, Joss. You're gonna find those. Split them down the middle and check the insides. All of them? Wallace fixed me with a hungry fox's stare. Every single one. Yoli and I got along all right back in those days. We shared a taste for brown liquor 
and she never developed a sour attitude over the money she lost to me, which was plenty. I figured out pretty quickly what kind of dirty jokes she laughed at hardest, and we were chums at arm's length from there. But it was Rose that I really got on with. When she danced herself out, she'd sit at the bar and put away rounds of anything with ice and vodka in it. She'd talk about how much Yoli liked the hustle and the undercurrent of danger on Aldfar. And she'd talk about how much she missed the cobalt skies on Kariah and the dozen and a half festivals they had on the calendar there. There were things she didn't talk about, like the bruises she sometimes came in with, or where they came from, or when they started showing up more often. Cap, up here! I think we've got something! I saw Wallace try to smother a flutter of glee that tore across her face. I felt a mixture of relief and dread, each so distinct and nearly tangible that I would have taken a seat to steady myself were I not already seated. They were moving away from the coat room, away from the Tritogenia, but they'd obviously found something interesting. I decided on a drink. Keep an eye on him. She called over to a young officer who was busy trying to look busy while stuck watching the two dozen employees loitering at tables intended for paying customers. She puffed up a little at the suggestion and strutted closer to me. As she got close, I slid off of my stool and moved around the bar. Mind if I pour myself a drink, officer? I can get you one while I'm at it. Just keep your seat, Mr. Stone. Commissioner Wallace said to watch me. She didn't say anything at all about what I could or could not do during babysitting hours. Right now I'm thirsty, and as a free citizen of the Independent Coalition of Planets and Outposts, I'm going to exercise my right to a drink. And behind the bar there was another blue, crouched down, peering at the cooling units like they might explode. I gave him a curt nod and reached for the scotch. Not the good stuff, just the most accessible. I didn't really need, or even want, a drink. What I needed was to remind myself and everyone else that I was Nolan Stone, and they were all standing in my place. Upstairs, I could hear the Indies stomping around like dinosaurs at a tap dance recital. Clearly, Wallace's orders hadn't included going easy on the furnishings. I looked over at my crew. Some bored, some anxious, and then Zara, angry as seven hells. I noticed she wasn't turning her eyes toward me once. Some of the others wouldn't take their eyes off of me, clearly reflecting on what had become of Cherry Cordial. Uh, Mr. Stone? Captain Wallace wants you upstairs in your office. I knocked back my drink and followed the copper up the staircase. I was tired of not knowing what was coming next, but I braced myself, trying to be ready for anything. I followed the blue without comment to my office. Wallace was sitting on my desk, which, I noted, was in utter disarray. Another of her boys was crouched down next to my safe. Wallace looked up with a savage grin as we stepped through the door. Oh good, you're here. 
Figured you'd want to take the chance to be cooperative and open this up for us. Wallace's lackey gave me a shove toward the safe. No way, Wallace. Blow it out your ear. You open this here and now, and you keep anything inside that you have a legal right to or that doesn't pertain to my investigation. You don't, and we take it with us down to HQ. Give them something to work on. But with their backlog, it could be the better part of a year before we get your property back to you. This is the kind of police work you're out to. Stuff it, Stone. Read the warrant if you want to see what kind of police work I'm here to do. All right. All right, but you at least want to get your ape out from over my shoulder? I can't concentrate with him sucking up all the oxygen. You're crowding Mr. Stone, Joss. Give him some room before he starts feeling faint. In fact, go find Paulson. Help him finish sweeping the rooms. I feel like I should... Mr. Stone isn't going to try anything. He knows that if he did, I'd feed him his own ass. I watched as her man sauntered out the door, sniggering, and I didn't bother to look back at Wallace until she spoke to me. I wasn't as sure as Wallace about how a fight between us would go, but I was pretty sure that I didn't want to test her. Everything about Yoli screamed that she fought dirty. I thought again of the bruises on Rose's jaw. Go right ahead, Stone. I crouched down beside my safe and leveled a defiant eye at Wallace. She snorted and made a spectacle of shifting her gaze from my safe. You know, you're ridiculous. What is? You. Everything about you. This whole shitty veneer. From the indignation at opening a safe to having the gall to play act being a legitimate business owner. All these years, aiding criminals. You found yourself a hell of a sweet spot, didn't you? Your fingers are in everything, but your hands never getting dirty. But for all the smugglers and the gun runners and the syndicates, you're worse than all of them. And now, you're about to get yours. You really think that, don't you, Wallace? I mean, once upon a time, you didn't think I was all that bad. That was before I knew you. Is that thing open yet? Before you knew what about me? You know what you did, Nolan. Now, is that safe open? And... Just then, it was, my safe sitting wide open. I wasn't surprised that Yoli wasn't interested in the deed and paperwork, and instead was dialed in on the hundred thousand kopecks stacked in tight three-cornered bricks, a small fortune, and straight money every bill, all on the up and up. Someone's been busy. Yeah, I have. Running a business. That's clean money, and I have the books to prove it. Joss, have someone bring a bag. Maybe you can account for it. Maybe there's a good reason for a legitimate business to keep that kind of cash on hand. But to me, that looks like illicit gains from racketeering. And this warrant here grants me considerable authority in this matter. So, I think we should probably confiscate your stash and your books. You know just to make sure they match up. We're bagging this up? We are indeed, Joss. Please take possession of the money in that safe. I'll witness you. To blazes with that, Wallace. Your opinion notwithstanding, I'm a businessman. You can't just waltz in here and steal our operational fund. (laughs) That looks like a whole lot more than an operational slush. Personal savings included. Well, I suppose this will teach you that you should probably keep those separate, won't it? 
You can't do this. It's not legal. Oh, it's definitely legal. Might not be legal to keep your money, but I can certainly take it. And I am definitely taking this. I don't want you sneaking off with some shipper rat you buddy up with. I finally got you, Stone. This is what it feels like when you're got. And this time, this time you face the cold for what you've done. Well, she was right there. With my funds iced out, I'd almost certainly be stuck on the station indefinitely. Now, maybe I could make a deal, work something out with a crew that knew me or a captain who owed me a favor under other circumstances. But on top of Stratford's travel hold, with nothing to sweeten the pot for someone looking to take on an illegal passenger, it would take more than luck. It would take a pure miracle. Get started, Joss. You don't have to stay and watch this part if you don't want to, Stone. I'm done with you. I'll come get you if I want you for anything else. No thanks, Yoli. I think I'll go ahead and stand here while you violate my citizens' rights on this fool's errand of yours. You're welcome to stay, then. Actually, it's not a fool's errand, is it? What it is, is a vendetta. Did you tell these guys that? Hey, Joss, did she tell you why she actually brought you all here today? How long are you going to hold Rose over my head? The young officer's eyes shot over to Wallace and then back to his task at the safe. I could see from the anger that flashed in her eyes that I had struck a nerve. I had a moment of a madman's satisfaction, but then I saw that she wasn't making an effort any longer to mask her rage, and I thought of that old saying about holding tigers by their tails. I decided valor was the better part of discretion, and spoke again. She didn't tell you, did she, Joss? You see, we're all here today because of the commissioner's wife. Listen, you asshole. This has nothing to do with that. Except it helped to clue me into how you operate. A snake in the grass, hiding behind the rules you like, pissing on the ones you don't. No matter who takes the hit, you still tell yourself that you're a decent guy. But you're a sociopath. Oh, that's what you think of me? Damn straight. And if I asked that girl in the gardens, what do you want to bet she'd say the same thing? I bet she would. If, that is, she could give me an answer. Right then I decided that if Yoli Wallace wanted to draw blood, I had a dagger or two myself I could play with. I didn't make her leave, Yoli. She blinked once, twice, trying to will herself to protest again that her behavior had nothing to do with her long-lost wife. But as cold as she could be, Wallace was still too human to let it go. I know it was you who put the idea in her head. You're the one who put the idea in her head. All I did was help get her a ticket. You got a filthy junk chain from Jocasta to delay submitting the updated passenger manifest on his ship's registry. If I'd have known she was going, You I would have stopped her. And what would you have done then, Yoli? Would she have been in scarves or dark glasses the next day? Ma'am, I... Just fill the damn bag, Junior. So if I'm such a bad guy and she trusted me and was so afraid of you... Then what does that say? To hell with you, Stone. Hey, Yoli, how many times has she called you since then? Did she ever call you at all? I'm sorry, piss off, any of that? She didn't, did she? And you know what? Greedy as I am, as much of a slime ball as I am, I didn't even let her pay me, Yoli. I sent her away for free. Wallace actually took a step in my direction. 
and I think if her subordinate hadn't been there, she would have hauled off and hit me. But she caught herself, just stared at me in shocked silence for a moment. Not too long, just long enough for me to wink at her before another blue shouted from the corridor. Hey, Chief! Wallace gave me one last withering glare, then spun on her heel and left me alone in my office with her stooge, who, now that the floor show was over, was turning back to counting down my safe. You born on Aldfar? Um, no, sir. Lore, actually. Wow. You sure don't meet too many folks from out that way? Not many folks from out that way to meet. <laughs> True enough, I suppose. You ever see that much money before, kid? Not in person. Feeling any kind of itch to just stick one of those stacks in your pocket? Not especially. Why do you ask? That's supposed to be a bribe? No. No. Just asking. Nobody here to see but me, and if you didn't get the gist, she doesn't care all that much for me. Like as not, she wouldn't even believe me. I don't know what you're playing at, Mr. Stone. You're going to say I stole that from you? No. Settle down, kid. Wallace has given you all the wrong idea about me. I'm just being friendly. Make conversation with the kid bagging up my savings so as I can keep myself from getting violent. He stopped counting and scowled up at me. All of 20. Trying to mean mug me with a face that didn't need shaving but twice a month. I'd pay a lot to see you try it, Stone. It's an expression, young man. An expression. You're holding a lot of money in your hands. Try to act like you've been somewhere. The door jumped open and Yoli Wallace sauntered back into my office like she held the deed to the place. I knew I should shrug it off. But I'd done enough of that lately that I was starting to feel a sprain in my shoulder. You got those Copex bagged yet, Joss? Just about finished, Captain. About damn time. So, Stone, now we get to talk about these and why they were in one of your upstairs rooms. She dangled a plasticine pouch at eye level, twitching it so I could see the small assortment of tabs dance inside. A stack of clean money and a half dozen pills. Is that what you did all this for, Yoli? Look, I run a clean place. A joint where the girls and the good time guys are doped up. That attracts the wrong kind of clientele. But even so, that's my policy, not the law. This isn't one of the AEL districts. There's no restriction on narcotics here. You want to talk about restrictions to me, Stone? You better make sure you know the chapter and the verse. And you clearly don't. Most narcotics don't present a legal issue. That's correct. But there are some things under a restriction. And with all the hoopla going on lately, the other commissioners and I all agreed to keep an eye out for any kind of suspicious activity. So I'll need to take these back to the station, let the creeps in the lab do their analysis thing. Be sure you're not moving anything under trade restriction or the like. We don't need people whispering that you're pushing onto your employees. What would happen to that sterling reputation of yours if folks thought you were looking at a predation bus? Seven hells, Wallace. Predation? You'd never make that one stick. Maybe not. But I don't really need to, do I, smart guy? You're in over your head, and I'm happy to stand by and watch you drown in it. You've got no call. No call? Did you just say that to me? Half of Aldfar watches that greaseball Deeds drop ten large at your table. The next morning, he's stinking up a public reclamation unit, and a ship that took one of your girls in charter is roasted in its berth. 
A day later, that same girl shows up burnt to a crisp with two VIPs on diplomatic papers. We have all the pieces, and I'm pretty sure I know what the picture is going to look like in the end. It's just a matter of time to put it all together. Joss, you're done, yeah? All done, Chief. Then take it down for processing. She watched while the kid scurried out of the room, lugging two decades of savings with him. Honestly, Stone, I think I might almost miss this. I've tried so hard to get you booted off station, but I never dared to dream that when you finally slipped up, you'd slide all the way into Mannix. I mean, I had my suspicions. And that's still all you have, Commissioner. No matter how angry you are about Rose... You don't get it, Stone. She was a spineless coward. A dead fish lay, and I'm glad she's gone. You're missing the point. I don't hate you because of Rose. Rules exist for a reason. You exist to undermine those rules. I wondered how much of the time she'd spent after storming out of my office a few minutes ago had been spent coming up with that little speech, and how much had been dedicated to convincing herself it was true. Judging by the look in her eye, she could have done with a little more convincing. You got me all wrong. Do I? Come on, Stone. Why not just admit you're a bit of a scoundrel? No one else is here. I already know it, and I can't do anything with it without proof. So what's the harm? Just for one moment, right here, tell the truth about what a scumbag you are. You got me all wrong. We're clear here, Commissioner. Get the team on the floor. Right away. You heard the lady. Everybody out. One more chance, Stone. You can tell me what happened. With Dietz. With Cherry. With the Coleridge. You can stop this all right here and now. Wallace, you're so twisted up around what you think you know, you haven't even tallied up everything you don't yet. Whatever trouble Dietz got himself into had nothing to do with me. Yeah, he lost a lot of money, but he lost it to me. Why would I want him dead after that? I don't know how Cherry found herself mixed up in it, or if what happened to her had anything to do with Dietz at all. Last I knew she was killed on the coal ridge, and then today I learn about all this. Now, it looks like that girl had more secrets than I gave her credit for. Sign for your money if you want to see it again. She pushed a tablet toward me, obviously not believing the lies I was trying to feed her. I chalked it up to her pre-described biases. For my part, I was selling the hell out of it. I ran my finger across the screen. The line faintly resembled my signature. What would it matter now? Yoli Wallace was about to walk out of here with my escape plan. I managed to squeak out just enough time from Stratford, and then she swoops in to cut me off at the knees. Damned if I didn't think about confessing it all right there. Just leaning forward and letting myself fall into the gears of the system and have done with it. But I didn't want to give Yoli the satisfaction of making the cuff. See? Pride. Those deadly sins get a bad rap, but they can save you from a bad move every now and again. I kept it together. Maybe I'd just meet up with Stratford give him the box and hope for some mercy. Could be that playing it straight, like I'd told him, 
might actually turn out to be my best option. Then again, he was the sort of asshole who'd double-cross his best friend on his wedding day. So it wasn't a great option, but still my best one. Wallace whistled. Not as loud as Winston, I noted with misplaced satisfaction. But it served the trick. I watched from the second-floor landing outside my office overlooking the dining room as, with Yoli leading the parade... The blues marched out of Salome's with my money and the stars only knew what else. I'd have to pour through the itemized registry to figure it all out, but right then, I couldn't muster the interest. If only she'd left my money. I noticed my employees remained seated, unsure of what to do next. It was only an hour or two after our normal opening time. There was a lot of night left to salvage. With some elbow grease and some creative furnishing arrangements, we could have the place cleaned up and mostly ready to open even before the big rush came through. It's what they wanted. Looking at the servers, the malls, the band, they were just waiting for me to say the word. But I just didn't care enough. One by one, I ran my eyes over the lot. What did I owe any one of them? My eyes stopped at Zara. Hard to miss in her scarlet gown. Hard to miss any time, any place. My best friend. And was it the lamplight through the cherry red sconces that made her eyes burn red to match that dress? Or was it the hate she had for me? over what happened to Cordelia Monroe. What the hell are you all looking at? I walked back to my office to get myself another drink. I hadn't even made it all the way to the wet bar when the door opened behind me, and I heard Zara yelling behind her to the staff below. All right, everyone, the fun's over. Get this place spruced up and ready to open in an hour. We can beat the 8 o'clock rush if you get your asses moving. Ladies, you help too. I don't care if you're used to laying in beds. Tonight, you can help move them. Judging from the sound of it, they didn't need to be told twice. What's the damn deal, Nolan? What in seven hells is happening? Zara... It's been a monumentally bad day, and I am just trying to get to the far end of it. Not good enough, and not half as cute as you've convinced yourself it is, Stone. I'm about fed up with the mysterious cynic act. You owe me some explanations. I heard that line you were feeding Wallace. Cherry played you too? You get that girl killed, and you don't even bat an eye pushing the blame onto her. All these years, but I don't even know you. You know, if you think I'm serving my ass up to the cops on a platter to preserve the memory of a dead woman, then I guess you don't know me. Cherry is dead, Z. Nothing I can do about that now. Nothing I could have done to stop it then. If that was true, then you wouldn't be so secretive about what happened out there. Or maybe I'd just prefer not to hash out something that nobody can do anything about. You weren't there. I was. Neither you believe me or you don't, but there was nothing I could have done for Cherry. And all I can do now is try to get through the next 
damn thing coming my way. And if anyone gets in your way, by accident or design, what happens to them? Who else gets tossed in the fire? Chewie or the rest of the kids? Flynn Morgan? What about me, Nolan? Because I gotta tell you, man, I thought we were friends. I mean, I knew you were a prick, but I gave you credit for generally being honest about it. I don't know if I didn't give you enough credit or if I gave you too much. Yeah, I see how you're trying to paint me, and I'm not buying the icy hues, sister. I didn't tell Cherry to take that package from Dietz, nor did I ask her to bring it back to my bar after everyone on the coal ridge got killed by people looking for it. You know what the real Nolan Stones, an asshole who's only out for himself move would have been? To turn her ass out on the street and give Yoli Wallace a free one. Wouldn't have gotten her off my ass, but she wouldn't have raided my bar or my safe as a thank you. But whatever kind of heel you want to see me as, or Wallace wants to see me as, I didn't do that, did I? I got dealt a bad hand, and I'm trying to manage the risk so I can still walk away from the table whole. So what? In this story, you're telling yourself, are you some kind of hero, Stone? In all the years you've been strutting around here, you ever hear me use that word? What, I'm not the man you thought I was? Well, Madam Zara, since it appears you've had your eyes closed, let me tell you about who I am. I'm nobody's sucker. Not yours, not Cherry Cordial's, not Wallace, not Stratford or Morgan. I'm not taking the fall for any one of you. You name me one promise I made you that I didn't keep. I never shorted your wages, never took the broken beds and cracked plaster out of your checks, and that shit cost me plenty. And I never, ever asked you to lock the office door behind you, did I? But I'm not gonna die or spend my life in prison because one dumb crook walked into my bar on the wrong night. Now, if that makes me a bad guy, then a bad guy I guess I am. I'll live with it. I just thought you knew the lay. You spin it however you want, Stone. Cherry was a good kid. She trusted you, and now she's dead. She was, and she is. And I know I let her down. She wasn't the first person I ever let down, and I doubt she'll be the last. Yeah, that's what I'm learning. Hey, boss. Hey, Miss Zara. I don't mean to interrupt, but things are clearing up pretty well on the floor. Upstairs is still a mess, but we're piling everything that isn't salvageable into a couple of rooms. Should be able to call doors almost any time now. I just thought... I thought you'd want to know. That's fine, Chewie. We're done here. I watched Zara as she moved toward the door, a violent slash of red against the dark walls of my office. I wondered if she'd glance back, maybe even hoped but she didn't look at me at all before she disappeared into the corridor. Chewie stared at me, saying nothing, like an animal that could smell the tension in the room, but unaware of the exact cause, and so unsure of which direction to move. Finish up with whatever needs doing. Double check with Winston and the band, then... Have Darius call the doors. Chewie's face flashed relief. Right away, boss. I'd already had several drinks. Enough that I figured how the hell was one more going to make it any worse. So I poured myself a double and 
took a seat at my desk. My 100K was locked down at Wallace's station. She wanted to see me iced. Stratford wanted the hot tritogenia hidden beneath my bar. Morgan was so twisted up over Cherry that if I tried to tell him what was going on, he was likely to take Z's view, that it was all my fault, only he wouldn't be so diplomatic about making his opinions known. And on top of all of it, somewhere out there, the Madre Benevolencia and their seraphs were swarming. Every avenue open to me was bad enough that walking away from Salome's had been my best guy across option. And now even that had been taken from me. And even in that moment, drowning in a river of shit while my friends tossed me anvils, can you believe I still felt the magic? What if that was the last time I ever heard that echo through this building? This pile of imported stone and wood and steel that I named for the kind of woman you couldn't help but love, even if you knew better. My palace. I don't know, maybe everyone on Earth used to feel this way, but I can tell you that out here in the Nocturne Nebula, almost no one's got a home like I got a home in Salome's. And I built it. I found my spot in the galaxy, and I clawed out all the cold and the dark until it was warm, and it was mine. Are the wise men and the poets all wrong? Can you find out what you've got before it's gone? And if not, could I survive finding out? This place had been a part of Nolan Stone from the beginning, and I liked being Nolan Stone. I didn't want to be anyone else. For as much of a shitbird as Malachi Stratford was, his offer included holding on to Salome's. I knew what I had to do. Thinking of that old saw about beggars and choosers, I picked up the phone on my desk and called up a contact on the screen from the station's directory. I ignored the sharp swell of pain in my abdomen, the gambler's anxiety settling in. I tried to tell my stomach that when you don't have a good bet to make, you just suck it up and make a bad one. I had no choice. Whether I liked it or not, whether I was ready or not, it was time to go all in. The phone rang. And then it was answered. from the Nocturne Nebula. Episode 5, The House Takes a Beating. Produced by Yabium Music and Arts. Directed by Dale Rasmussen. Executive Producers Carly Shorman and Mark Anderson. Written by Carly Shorman and Dale Rasmussen. 
Sound design and original music by Devin Morris. Audio engineering by Devin Morris and Mark Anderson. Featuring Amy Blackwell, Austin Campbell, Sean Collins, Christine Arp, Amanda Sever, Katie Lee Faulkner, Brian McBurney, Brooks Cox, Matt Slusser, Carly Shorman, and Dale Rasmussen. Tune in next week for another exciting installment of Confessions from the Nocturne Nebula.